Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're back. It's the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Fisher, Disopolis, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider. The golf has been played. The kids are back in school. Travel is done. We have number six back in the building, the Quan Cosby. And before we talk any football, we have to give you the absolute biggest congratulations. Q, this is our third season doing this with you, man. We know what you did on the field. We got to see it growing up as kids, but getting to sit here with you every week and seeing how much the university means to you. It's awesome to see you get inducted into the hall of honor and be the second best golfer to Jordan Spieth in the hall of honor. <laughs> for the 2023 class, man. Biggest congrats to you. Couldn't be more deserved by a person who loves this university, man. Appreciate that, man. It was wild, bro. It, uh, first and foremost, it's so freaking good to be back. It's yeah. It, everything seems starting to feel normal again. Like yeah, the fall cool. usually does it has a, it's way of course correcting. But it's it's another level per the hot freaking summer and craziness of this year. But um, it was cool, man. I had a great call from uh, CDC and crew to to tell me that piece of it, and I laughed because I guess you know you do what you do, right? You, you do it for the right reasons. You want to ball out and you want to contribute. But um, to get that recognition coming from a small town like I did to a place like the freaking University of Texas is uh pretty humbling and uh it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah i mean every time i look on twitter or instagram people putting clips up the number six making that block against ou six more days left of, of football you yeah. know posting their jerseys so i mean longhorn nation loves you man yeah man it's longhorn nation is one of a kind we all know that um and even you know we, we've talked many times about going to the sec all the different things that are happening that's why you know ultimately our, our folks, you know, out east that wants to – and by the way, they have a great tradition and a heck of a university when it comes to that stuff, but it's just not Longhorn Nation when it comes to football right. or, or really all the sports co combined. And they, they have zero director's cups. And so given that love, it usually happens around that time. Um, of course, very timely this year, we're going to the Hall of Honor. But, man, it's been cool, dude. It's, it's uh, seeing that knowing how many years I've been removed is it's pretty wild but at the same time it kind of tells its own story I'm ready for this current regime to to keep pushing my records higher and the ball out and get in the playoff and do their thing so it's 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 twofold I'm I'm pumped I'm appreciative but yeah I think Worthy's gonna pass all our freaking records and I hope Jay Witt gives him a run for his money so I'm ready for the season man it's, it's gonna be pretty fun yeah, I mean, we love you, Q, but we hope your records get smashed, and that's all. That's all. That's all <laughs> yeah, respect. Gets all respect given, baby. I got everything I need from to get my records now. I got them on the hall, all that. Perfect. Now move them out the way for this hell of a receiving crew, and um, let, let's go win some games in a Big Twelve championship. Let's Q, start got, there, man. I, well, oh, I got a quick question before we get into the weeds or anything. Have you got a chance to watch the Swamp Kings documentary at all on Netflix about Florida? 
All right, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, <laughs> so, Good yeah, question, man, man, I've seen that. But it was funny because a rack po, what, what made me watch it is a rack hit me up. And, uh, well, it was about, it was me, Roy Wiggins, Colt, Ship, all of us on the freaking deal. And he hit us up and is like, dude, you seen that documentary? We would have smashed her ass. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was, I was like, oh, yeah, I told Tebow that when I played for Denver that they're lucky we didn't play them that year. And then Colt said the same. He didn't say the same thing, but he's, he has some comments about that documentary. So yeah. it's um, between that and some of the ones that are coming out, they're actually pretty cool. Yeah. Just in theory to get a little bit of an insight, but it, it takes you down freaking memory lane of we should have been in that game. And, yes, I fully believe they would have been in trouble if we would have. So, yeah, it's, it's some good ones out there. Yeah, I, I just asked because that's your era, you know. I mean, could have could have been in that documentary, and I just the thing that kind of like stood out to me was just their their weight room mentality, which was crazy. Was that like that with you guys when when you were at Texas? Like, was the weight room as crazy as there? Because I, when I played there, like it was people weren't that big of fanatics of working out. I mean, you had to get in there at five a.m., but like when you're done, you're done. Like. Tebow talked about how, I mean, he's a different type of animal, but like how those guys, Brandon Siler, like would live for the midnight workouts, you know, get war paint on and all that and just grind. I don't really remember that at all. No, I mean, ours were intense. They really were. And um, not because I think you had a whole different re regime yeah. with Chuck Strong. Yeah. But with Mad Dog, no, they were, man. It was all about competition. It was, and honestly, the, Herman was there during a little bit of that era. That's where he went to grad school. So he tried to create that with the competition and get crappy food. We didn't do any of that stuff. But the competition level, if you can, you think about the folks every day. I laugh. I think I've mentioned this before. On the field and off the field. I get on game day on the field and I'd be like, listen, no offense, but you're not Michael Huff or Aaron Ross or, you know, Terrell Brown or, you know, any of those guys um, that, that, I played every day, so it, it's never easy. You have to compete, but he, that guy's going first round, and you're not. And so that was cool. It all started in the weight room, what we're lifting. You know, guys squatting 500, 400, 300, and going at it on that level, it really, really was. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was almost, of course, some people look down upon, you know, throwing up and practice and all that. But it was almost like you weren't pushing yourself enough if you weren't near it. And so yeah. that was a mentality. You got to work your butt off to, to play at that championship level. And at the end of the day, when you do it on that level, all the rather – again, I'm not saying the game is easy. But if you push yourself harder, the game is easy. You get breaks in the game. You never feel like you're going to throw up then. And so it's just a different way of almost – you know, raising the bar, so to speak. That ceiling that's here, you're going to push it here because in the fourth quarter, even though that ceiling's up here, you're only going to need this much anyway, and you can finish. And so mm -hmm. that's all the – it's psychological more than anything. Yeah. How far – people – some people take it. You know, we live in a sensitive world now. But you talk to any military person, and they said they've watched football practices for championship-level teams anyway. And we've watched Navy SEALs workouts. There's not, you know, they're not identical, but there's a lot of parallel. And all it is is preparing you for the worst situation you may ever do. I'd say 20% physical and 80% mental.
that's what it's doing. So yeah, it was it was it was pretty hardcore. And you know, they say it's ice in your vein, but really it's how you prepare. So we didn't flinch when it was time to close one. I'm just hoping that that's just kind of how the mentality is right now for our Longhorns, because it, as you can see, it breeds results, right? I mean, Florida won two national championships and you guys won one. So like, let's hope that there's a little bit of that intensity going around in our weight room. Yeah. Well, one of the, uh, on the, I was going to say on the Allen Ivers, like just the, the Allen Iverson practice speech is obviously so ridiculous for so many reasons, but one of the parts of it being ridiculous is him poo-pooing practice for such a great player. Like we, we used to hear all the time that players hated going against Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan in practice. We used to like one of the most famous things in a U.S. Olympic. And I'm not, I know I'm like paralleling to basketball, but one of the most famous things in U.S. basketball history is the game of the dream team played against each other, like behind closed doors. There's no like, you know, we haven't seen like these guys, the champions, the best players ever go their hardest in practice. So like Quan saying, for him, it was easier in the games. Like, and you said that before, Q. Like, you said when you got sometimes when you got to games, like you're going against Michael Huff, like you're going against Griffin, like you go like Rock Pose on your team, like they're going against the best of the best, like not just guys oh who played in the league for a, a cup of coffee, like first round picks, yeah. Pro Bowl Earl players. Thomas. Like, Earl Thomas is like an, an all time defensive back of our, of our lifetime. So like, there's so many. I mean, yeah, it's just. And the, the whole throwing up thing, I mean, I, I feel that was my mentality in school, too. Like, if I'm if I'm not throwing up at midnight in 6th Street, like, bad juju. You got to – I'm not going – I'm not, I'm not going go hard. Like I'm not going hard enough. I kept saying that to everyone. Everyone's like, dude, like, keep it together. I'm like, no, like, this is what everyone – this is what the football team is doing right now. Like, we got to – the whole Navy SEAL thing, too, is hilarious. Like, I find myself, like, watching Navy SEAL videos at, like – 11 p.m. Like, what am I doing yeah, in my life? Like, these guys are crazy. Like, it's so ridiculous, these guys. Well, and the thing is, how can you know? You're ultimately eliminating fear and doubt. If mm. you know where your limit is, if you know what it takes psychologically, even in the game of football, you're going to realize that you have a crap. When you go into that last drive in this fourth quarter and it's 110 in Texas, you probably say, all right, baby, we need to do this. I want to run this play. I got 40% in the tank. And and, and there was times where you see a you see someone win a game and they're damn near getting carried off the field to the sideline after scoring a touchdown because they use that last little ounce that they have in the tank. And you have to know where that is. So no, nah, man, it's it's about putting in work and and that's a great point, Nick. That our culture is different. You know, I went to a scrimmage, um, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, kind of the the the, the moment scrimmage. You know, I know they had another one, and they're cleaning some stuff up. But it's a work ethic. It's it's a push and a limit. It's an assignment. It's how fast are you playing? Um, without naming specifics, it is a very different feel. I saw a fraction of it last year. I, I saw a fraction of it last year. I really did. Um, and some of those guys that were leaders, like a Ford and the cats that returned, Jay Witt, they're even more improved this year per what they want to do and what they're, you know, not shying away from. They've earned the right, in my opinion, now to be leaders on that team. Um, we still have a young old line. They're going to be damn good, but we still have a young old line. And so it's work, man. They, they were freaking competing. They were hitting each other. One side of the ball won, in my opinion, the first – you know, quarter, and then, you know, the other side of the ball won the second, and that's what we saw. I'm not even on any, you know, level saying they have the players or 
the practices that we had in our championship years, but it looked similar in a different era. So I'd say it looked really good for the current era. We had a very different league. You can barely even touch quarterbacks and all that now, but in our day, you go at it. So I think culturally what that documentary showed is go show so many championship-level teams and absolutely not the same but very similar, certainly to the way they push themselves and the work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the one thing I just wanted to throw in there, just a quick takeaway that, that I saw was in thinking about and considering the head coaches that we saw at the University of Texas, talking about me, Nick, and Josh, Charlie Strong, we're talking about, was an assistant head coach at the University of Florida under Urban Meyer. Tom Herman was an assistant with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Both of those guys ended up being the head coach for the Texas Longhorns. But it's very different when you're an assistant or a coordinator in comparison to when you're a head coach, right? Everything stems from the top. And now we have a guy, Steve Sarkeesian, who was not in that coaching tree, but I don't think that has anything to do with it. I just think that when these guys become head coaches, it's a completely different outlook and approach to everything. When Mm -hmm. Charlie was our head coach, it was not the same program that Urban Meyer ran with Florida when Charlie was back there. You saw him very featured in that documentary, getting up in guys' faces. Um, Yes, he he took the disciplinarian approach, but it was more about, at least from outside looking in, and Nick, you can speak more to this, but it was more about like showing up holding yourself accountable as opposed to uh, putting you through the, the gates of hell and, and, you know, <laughs> the Marine treatment of putting a fire hydrant on you for five hours until you say yes. And we'll do whatever it takes to, to yeah. run the ball into the end zone. Um, I think, I think he softened up a little bit when he became a heck. I mean, I don't know what it was like at Louisville, but I, it was more about earning your respect, earning your stripes, earning the longhorn on the side of your helmet, you know, earning your, your free swag and stuff like that, getting better meals, um, you know, as you got better as a team more than just like putting you through personal hell. Um, so I think, I think there's two factors that I don't think urban Meyer did that his first couple of years either. You know, the team that he showed that team was developed. Those are guys that he recruited Mm. and brought in, you know? So I I think it took him a couple of years. And when he had those dudes, He's like, all right, got him. Let, let's put him on that level. Almost right. similar to where we're in the situation we're in at Texas. Yeah. And then even more from a Charlie Strong, to his defense, it was all about earning your way and being that. Because he was kind of kicked in the you-know-what from day one. You had right. some of our donors saying they didn't want him. So on, on one hand, psychologically, he wanted everybody to earn it, including himself, and that changed his coaching ability. When you don't have yeah. support on that level, then you can't do that. You, you right. really can't. I mean, he was semi walking on eggshells, his coaching, to, you know, his, his four years here because of uh, the lack of support across the board. And I mean, that's that's public knowledge. We just know it. We saw it. He didn't yeah. get a long time. And yeah, he, he wasn't successful in the process. I don't know that he was the right choice. We talk about picks versus choices at the University of Texas. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think certainly um, all those things factored in. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even necessarily like a criticism of Charlie, just that like circumstance a lot of times defines how a head coach decides how he's going to approach communicating with his team and and what kind of leader he wants to be. Right. I think for Urban, like a lot of that was desperation that he his job was on the line every single week by nature of coaching in the in the SEC for the University of Florida. And if he didn't demand that, like they would he probably wouldn't have had his job. Right. And so that was kind sure. of his defense of it and his rationale. And I think I love to hear Q what you saw 
from the staff, from our guys with this squad coming into this season. And, and I just bring that up to say, like, it stems from Sark, right? And I know the record wasn't necessarily what a lot of people wanted it to be, but as long as that foundation is being built, like, that's what's most important. And we've got guys stepping into new roles, um, just like that, that Swamp Kings doc showed. Um, you know, it was time for Brandon Spikes to take up the mantle, right? On the offensive side of the ball, it's time for Quinn Ewers to take up that mantle, to be a vocal leader in that locker room on the field and off the field. And so I think I'm, I'm so happy that Sark made the call in the spring to give Quinn the, the keys because he's had a lot of time to work at being that type of leader. And now he gets to put it into practice um, and, and he gets to apply what he put into practice onto the field this Saturday. So yeah. On the, I just, I think also one of the things that we're kind of dancing on urban had his guys in there and he had a lot of guys like this is the first time in a long time where this QB room, like, yes, Quinn has the keys, but how safe are those keys? Like realistically, like last year he came in, he was the hottest, you know, recruit in the nation, the hottest transfer in the nation. He was like the biggest recruit ever, but now we have Arch Manning in the building who might not even be the backup. Like Malik Murphy is right there too. Like all these guys well, Malik are Malik is balling. He looks good. We haven't seen it with the with, with the lights on, but that dude has had as good a camp as anybody on campus. Okay. So like now we're sitting in a position where not only like is the pressure on and like you have to work harder on the iron sharpens iron in the weight room, but also the pressure is on from the guys around you. Like Q, like when you played, like how many how many wide receivers were great in the wide receiver room? How many guys in the offensive line and the defensive line? Like, how was the competition there? Like, looking at the wide receiver room we have now, Casey Kane is a damn good wide receiver. We've seen him be good for the Texas Longhorns. He is going to have to fight to find playing time. Yeah. Like, like Whittington, we bring up, like Xavier Worthy, we bring up, Nayer, we bring up. We have freshmen coming in who are good, and we just AD Mitchell coming in as a transfer. I keep forgetting. Like we just saw, like, you know, I got we all watch USC. They played their freshmen. The best player is gonna play. Like Sark yeah. Sark is gonna play the best player. Like Jonathan Cook. Cook could play. Like you know what's crazy the- about that. And it's funny that you bring it up in recruiting, just a real quick recruiting piece of it. Please. I'm always fascinated by the cats who are like, I don't know if I go there. This coach at another school say I may not play because that room is so stacked. What the hell do you think is in the NFL? Right, not going somewhere because a room is so stacked, then you don't need to be on our campus because you don't want to compete, you don't want to get better, you know. And so, you're exactly right, that room is stupid, so freaking good on paper, arguably the best room we've had. And we had some good rooms, me, Shipley, and Sweet had some pretty damn productive seasons. Um, you know, Roy BJ Sloan, uh, Wayne McGarity, freaking um, Kwame Cavill. I mean, we've had some receiving rooms. But on paper right now, if they back it up with production, Worthy can, like I said, can pass all of our records. But essentially, Worthy, Jay Witt, Mitchell, if that's the starting three, are you kidding me, dude? That's pretty. Mitchell has two national championships already. And so, no, man, competition is iron sharpening iron. And I like the dudes we have on campus now because they're not shying away from that. When Mitchell transferred, he knew what, what was in that receiving room. Jordan Addison last year, I don't know if I'm going to get a certain amount of balls, so I'm going to go to USC. I, when I heard that, I was like, perfect. He's not, he's not who we need per building that level culture that we saw from the national championship team in Florida. 
from I will tell you we had the same one in ours. Mac Brown never promised me playing time. He said, I'm going to promise you a, a, a scholarship, and if you work your butt off and you put yourself in a position, we, we are going to play the best people. And that's what happened, and everybody was better off for it. And yeah, you weren't even like a real freshman. You were like coming in again, like in your second cycle, right, Q? Oh, which made it even worse. I hadn't touched a football in five years. Damn, Football's man. played in the fall. I was ultimately done in December, and I got back July of 2005. I finished in, in 2000, you know, fin- uh, started again in 2005. So, no, they, he didn't promise me crap, but he said I, needed, I better hurry up and get my butt to work <laughs> because I'm in the twos or threes, and – Unfortunately, the guy that was starting had an injury history, and the dude was prophetic because that happened, and I'm starting game four. Yeah. It, I think it's clear that Sark is probably not the type of guy to be promising people their jobs as well and, and playing time. I mean, you get in that that game of doing that to players, and you find yourself in a very bad position. I mean, you look at Texas A&M, right, with Kevin Sumlin when they had Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen on the same team yeah. and both of them end up transferring and you know, I'm sure they both were told the exact same things as five-star recruits and you're looking at our Texas roster and it seems like Arch by all accounts is okay just you know kind of waiting around and for his time to come you know I mean not touching any of his NIL money till he hits the field on his own right you know donating I, I think he's the type of guy that you want in your roster to know that all right like we're going to have iron that sharpens iron. You know, this quarterback room is going to get better and better. We're going to make everyone better. And I'm only going to benefit from, from waiting and maturing as a player. Then when my time is ready, it's there. And I think the same thing with our receiving room. I mean, it's just a testament for how deep they are. I mean, there's so many guys that we haven't even mentioned that are rookie or that are freshmen coming in. You know I mean? There's so many guys left and right that, that can make huge contributions. And so I really believe that this is the type of, you know, team that they're not looking for. I mean, of course you want to hit the field, but they're looking for results. They're looking to better themselves. They're looking to do what's best for the team. I agree. And I would even say from an arch standpoint, and of course I know exactly what you meant, but waiting, because I think he's already making an impact leadership wise. Oh, definitely. The way the Manning family watch film and study film, that's what he's doing. He could have a full year of watching, studying the good, the bad, the ugly. He wants that data. You know, ultimately, how do you better yourself? You're data-driven. Well, Peyton Manning, in the very short time I was around him, that man is very data-driven. You know, um, Eli, his uncles, his dad, his his grandfather. These folks know, one, more development. Our line's damn good, but one more – one more year after that, if that works out that way, they're going to be really good yeah. going into that league. And watching Quinn, giving feedback. I mean, Arch can essentially, even as a freshman, be – if Sark's the head coach, he's calling the plays, he's designing it. Having that conversation with Arch and Murphy um, on the sideline, helping Quinn, having almost a coach on the side, or at least trying to be – that's so freaking big for Quinn's development. Yeah. And so it's just it's so it's so many factors when you competition is always a great thing. We got three five star quarterbacks in our, our, our freaking quarterback room, bro. We were scraping for quarterbacks at one point in the last few years. Yeah. Um. Sam was great. Let's be real. Sam Sam was was the best thing. And even the other ones, like not that they weren't great, but they weren't the caliber or at least the hyped up level that we have and the potential that we have. So we're in a good spot, man. And then, like I said, culturally, you saw, and again, there's no confirmation that this is the case, but Archer's on campus for a week and Quinn cussed the mullet. 
<laughs> That's I true. I can see a, a sit down. Hey, man, tell me more about you and, and how y'all see things. I mean, you you have the luxury of having this uncle, that uncle, this dad, that grandpa. And even that conversation, Quinn's like, huh, how you present yourself, how you go about your business, how much film you're watching. I could see all of that happening because it did. And fast, I have zero confirmation. But in paying attention from the outside looking in, there's some things that I don't think are a coincidence. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a damn good point. I mean, the guy that, I mean, technically he's your direct competition, you know, in spring and in camp. So you want to find ways to be better than that person or at least model your game after him. But Arch, to your point, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the field to contribute. I mean, we're seeing the waves that he makes in the recruiting war. You know, we get guys to flip to us all the time. There was a picture that was just taken, not even of a football recruit, of the number one basketball recruit in the state of Texas, Trey Johnson, that could be end up coming to, to Texas, you know, and yeah. they're standing side by side and throwing up hook them. And that couldn't be, you know, more telling for what Arch means to this university, not even on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I heard that. I was just going to say, I heard that he um, he lost his student ID in the in the spring because he was just trying to teach Quinn a lesson about holding on to the football. I don't know. That's just what I heard. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I I think on it's very interesting we bring up his family because I always think back to our Victor Cruz interview. One of the most pivotal things in one of our interviews ever was Victor Cruz telling us the story about when they were down for the Super Bowl in Miami. And Eli Manning was basically like, look, it's going to be a circus. We are also in Miami. You can go out. You can party. You can have the best time you ever want in Miami. But if we win this football game on Sunday, I promise you the party we have the week after will be the best and sweetest party of your entire life. The team hunkered down, buckled down. They took down the Patriots again. Yeah. And it was the greatest party they ever had, Victor Cruz said. And I think Arch Manning kind of brings some of that. I do not think it's a coincidence that Quinn and look like you don't have to be the cleaned up button up guy 24 seven. There's we see athletes all the time. Like, you know, like Brian Wilson, oh, go, work hard play hard, go complete wild thing. But, like, hard and win. <laughs> but if you're the quarterback for the University of Texas and you can't walk around like your crap don't stink anymore because we got a whiff of it last year and it didn't smell like roses, you know. So, like, now you have two guys in the building, like we're saying, that could come in and ball. So I think we're going to see something from Quinn this year um, that we expected to see last year. And I kind of want to get into takeaways for maybe two takeaways of pop um, for this game. And then I want everyone to throw me a takeaway that you want to see this season. We'll start with you, Q. Uh, this game, first of all, JT Daniels is on the other squad. So like, damn yeah, it. Like that. <laughs> I do can ball. I don't know the weapons he have around him, but that, that guy can play. So, um, I like that though. You know, ultimately that good competition, that's always a big deal. Um, my takeaway though, is as much as next week, the week is going to be a big deal. Go out. If, if your culture has truly changed, Next week's a big deal, but you have to take care of business Saturday. That's how the season starts. Looks so freaking good that maybe by halftime, you can be thinking about the next week. So that's that's me. It's business. We always say it's a business trip. So I think that's one of my certain takeaways. And then I want to see collectively what this offense looks like without Bijan and Roshan. Mm. because they bailed us out let's be real when we could even when we balled out and then we give up that free, we give up that 21 point lead we can lean on them and our defense to close out a game and win by three or seven or whatever 
But collectively, how do we utilize, because we have a crap load of weapons, um, a running back room by committee, because we don't have a Bijan or maybe even a Roshan back there, but they're damn good players. And really, you have a plethora of freaking talent. How does it get utilized to make one of the freaking – because I do think we have the potential to have one of the better offices in the country. Yes, I'm with you on that. Um, This is just more of a fun fact here, but this will be the first full season that we'll have Big Bertha 2 for the entirety of the season. So I just – that's important. Good element. Big Bertha 2 is the biggest drum out there. It's the biggest drum in in the world. Vibes. Yeah, big big time vibes guy over here. No, I (laughs) – I, yeah, I just thought it was, it was just a fun fact. That's my that's my first takeaway. And I, like I know I, like I want uh, the the university to rise up with our play. And if we execute, like, we need, as Texas fans, to support the team in a way that they need to be supported to fuel them forward. Um, and I know we're going to harp on it all year. Like, you got to take it one week at a time. But um, I think just – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie it back to the – my actual takeaway. I'm going to tie back to the Swamp Kings doc, but I want to see a defensive leader make his make himself known early in the season. Feel a presence from one of our guys. Yep. And I, I really want it to be Sorrell. I think that if he can be just a guy that gets to the to the QB game in, game out, and be a vocal leader for the team, I think that would go a long, long way. But it's got to be someone. Someone's got to step up in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, I mean, echoing what you guys say, I mean, Q, great point. How's this offense play without Bijan? What's the identity? You know, who's the running back that's going to end up, you know, being that workhorse? Um, clean game. You know, at the end of the day, let's let's play a clean game and let's get Malik Murphy some playing time. You know, let's let's win by so much, you know, have such a big margin that Malik has to come in in the third quarter and we get to finally see what he looks like under the lights. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of getting a, a playmaker on defense, look, I think all the hype this year is around Jalen Ford, and I and I want to respect that hype, and I and I really hope that he lives up to it and works his way up into a discussion where he could potentially be a first round, second round draft pick in the NFL next season. Um, you know, I think he has great potential to be the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Um, starts with game one, so let's go out and smack in the mouth. I mean, JT Daniels. He's on his fourth college queue. Like, what does that what yeah. does that say to you about the kid? You know, I mean, we were talking about it on our last show, but like, you know, if if you're a player in his locker room or even in the closing locker room, like, I don't think you have much respect for a guy that's transferred three to four different times. Yeah, but you have to have some respect, and I think that's my point to the fact that he's played a lot of college football and he's played yeah. in big games and he's played for big universities. I want to see our defense not take him lightly. I want to see it. this is a gimme game, and I want to see it be a gimme game. Like I want to see us actually. I don't want to see them put up. So I was at the USC, you know, San Jose State game, and yeah, USC scored fifty six points, but they didn't cover, and they let the, they let the Spartans score twenty eight points. And their their quarterback wasn't you know a five star recruit, but he had fifty starts under his belt in college football, and he ran wild, and he extended plays, and he made plays. We have a defense that's a, that's a very senior-heavy defense. Obviously, we have guys like Anthony Hill, Malik Muhammad coming in. But, like, Jalen Catalan's transferred. Why? Like, Barron, Watts, Thompson, Crawford. Collins. Uh, Collins have had a great freaking camp. Collins, you're back. Sweat, you're back. Why did you come back? 
Like, why did you come back? Like, what are you back to do? Like, Jalen Ford, you could have been a draft pick. You could have been a fourth or fifth round pick if you're Jalen Ford, probably a fifth round pick. Why did you come back? Obviously, yeah, you want to raise your stock, but why did you come back to the university? What do you, what's the statement you want to make? Because last year, our defense, for the first time in a long time, was looking dangerous again. And I, look at my season takeaway is outside the Bama game, you have the easiest schedule you've had in a long time on paper. You have the best team you've had in a long time on paper. There's a lot of on paper. Paper to only get you so far. You know, there's no there's no more cash really being exchanged anymore. It's all credit card, debit card, and Venmo, baby. Paper's toast. Like paper could only get you so far. Can you put it all together? Can you play complimentary football? Can we see a good, clean game from the offense and the defense in one game? And when I, it I will play, and I will play devil's advocate that a little Please. bit because this is the farewell season to the Big Twelve. Um, there's a, a lot of haters out there. <laughs> they're not happy about it, even with the Big Twelve surviving. Um, they're going to be gunning for Texas and Oklahoma. Let's be real about that. They always do. But it's going to have a little more umph on it. And mm. so, yes, to a certain degree, it, it should be – it's certainly going to be easier than when you enter the, the SEC. Let's, let's just be real. But it's probably going to be, at least for this era, the hardest Big 12 season I think they've played in. And so, how do you respond to that? Go get them. You're, you're the better team. Respect it. Understand it. And – Going back how we started, preparing on a level like Florida did, like we did, like championship-level teams did, then you're not even a little bit phased by people hating you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You, you, you beat them by beating them. And so I, I just – I do think we have teams that are going to respond to that on that level and and not kind of pee down their legs, so to speak. So – it's, it is on paper, similar to what we said. This team on paper looks pretty damn good. On paper, it looks like a favorable schedule. But on Saturday, it's going to be a whole different situation. And uh, and, and even the teams that we were, so, quote-unquote, supposed to win last year, other than Oklahoma, we didn't really blow people out. You know, we, we found ways, and then we lost some close ones. So I don't care if they win them all by three, just win them damn things. But. It's, I, th- I think they're going to get everybody's best and some, but I also think we have a roster and a coaching staff that develops on a level that we don't give a damn anymore. Let's mm-hmm. go take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toss Nick, season's takeaway. Yeah, I mean, this is the the send-off, right? Let's go. Let's end on a high note. Take this season personally. I mean, people always love to throw the horns down, you know, whatever. If, if you don't know, got no haters, you're not popping. But like at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, we want, we want, we want the smoke and we should take yeah. this season personally, you know, like put our stamp on the big 12 and then slam the door and, and come into the SEC on a high note. Um, you know, I, I, I resonate with everything you're saying Q. I mean, this season definitely could be really hard just because target has never been bigger on our back. So, you know, I personally would love to blow out every single team. I, I was actually looking at the the season uh, that we won the national championship, and it looked like it was just cakewalk all season long, like beating teams. 20. We won the we won the Big Twelve championship seventy to three. <laughs> exactly, like that's the type of season I want. Where like there's literally no doubt that this team needs to be in the college football playoff. Mm, so yeah, leave no doubt. I, I don't I don't care for the close games this year. Love that toss. Like it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, it's hard to follow up, leave no doubt. The Remember the Titans <laughs> shout-out there is yeah. is always welcomed. You could throw out a different Remember the Titans quote if you'd like. Look, we've talked about it at this point, like, and I know – you know, this is, I love, I love these preseason shows cause we can go long all four of us and we could, we could keep doing this for three more hours, honestly, with mm-hmm. coming up of things to say. Um, we have, like Nick said, we have no shortage of motivational tools. I hope the guys use those weekend week out. Um, there is one thing though, like I, I don't necessarily think that they should be measuring themselves by their successes and failures week in, week out, they should learn from them. But like one thing I was listening to the other day was just an interview that Kobe Bryant had done in, in, a, in a, and a reporter was like, how do you approach each game? Is it like, it's just from the lens of how did I fail or how did I succeed? And he was like, no, like I live in the moment. I trust my preparation and my work and I continue to learn and grow as I'm going about doing it. And the rest will take care of itself. So I think, we know how talented we are, like we said, on paper, on paper, on paper, but trust the preparation and let everything else take care of itself. There will be tons of distractions. There will be too many motivational tools, like I'm saying, and use it for what you need, but the rest of it, throw it away and focus on that next play and focus mm. on that next snap. And I think then that's how we get to the points where if we play four quarters, right, which is something that we've been asking for out of our Texas Longhorns for the last five years yeah. we play four quarters every single game our talent and our preparation will take care of the rest so that's just what i want to see i want to see two halves of football every single week that's the most important takeaway and all i can really ask for from our guys mm-hmm. and i yeah. think to, to take it to another level on that you can develop during the game you can see what people are trying to do with you they've watched a crap load of film and seeing that noticing that make the adjustment and then be successful at even certain plays that they try to beat you at earlier in the year, Sark and staff, oh, they're doubling worthy. Then design it to, you know, put them in spots to where he could still be successful. That's what we did versus, you know, OU that year. Me and Chip went to the Y, the Z, the, sh- the, the slot. We lined up on the same side. They didn't know what the hell to do. Like, what is going on? How can we double? It's going to be four people on this side and open it up for everybody. So just strategically, there's so many levels of that development. Um, of course, we've talked a billion times about the four quarter deal. Third quarters, I really would like to see us score points every third quarter in every game in the season because we have an offense that can do that. We should mm-hmm. never be shut out in the third quarter, like ever. And so um, – those level things is, is what you hope to see. And where we are now on paper, the reason we always say on paper is because, one, you have to, you know, stay healthy. But, two, after this first game, you need to get better. Second game, you need to get better. If you're trying to run, have a championship-level run, especially Big 12, get better. Let's not see the digression we saw with Quinn, with some of the O-line, with certain levels. We saw a couple of spotty. Our defense actually did. They're pretty damn strong all year. And honestly, got better. That's what I want to see from our offense. I just want to see special teams are very consistent. So just I, I want to see a full – coaches say it all the time, you know, in all three phases, can we get a foundation and let that foundation grow? And if they do that, talk about the takeaway from, you know, the preseason conversation, if they continue to grow and develop with the culture that I think has changed and has grown and developed, 
It's it's why um we're drinking some Josh level um you know Kool-Aid and some diabetes this season, fellas. <laughs> let's get let's get let's get that Ozempic sponsor. Let's get to, <laughs> let's get some Kool-Aid in the mix. And you know, like it went and and that party at the end of the year in July, in January, I mean, we'll we'll slip we'll slip a little whiskey in it. But yeah, man, it's it's obviously always the time of year to drink the Kool-Aid, um, but we've drank it and we've been burned by it before and, and hurt by it before. Yeah. But the all three phases, like you're saying, like special teams counts. Punts. Like we, I, I have seen this for the better or for worse. I have seen this team in my tenure as a Longhorn lose in every possible way. Mix, yeah. Missed PAT. Uh, there was a game against Oklahoma State where he punted at like six yards, and I'm sitting in there in the stands, 15 beers deep with a dip in my mouth, with my you know disappointed father watching me chew tobacco, knowing I could have gotten out there in, in my loafers and punted it farther than that. Like, and I'm not, and I ain't no punter. So like, I've seen this team lose, but on the on the glass half full of that, so have they. They have been a part. The players have been a part of these mistakes. The coaches have seen these mistakes. The coaches have been a part and seen a part of tens and twenty more thousands of more games and plays than we have been, not other than UQ and maybe Nick. But like, they have seen this happen time and time again. So hopefully, the work they put in this summer to correct it, like like Alex, you were saying, like trusting the work, man, seeing yeah. it out on the field. Keelan Robinson. Okay, if you're not going to be our running back, when you get the ball on special teams, kick return, punt returns, are you making a play? Are you putting us in good field position? Or are you taking it to the house? One or two times a year, that could be all the difference. Worthy. Like when you go in as running back, do the same. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think what you're saying is this: we have seen the pressure bust pipes. Are we now? Is this the year we're going to see a McDonald's? Mm-hmm. It does both. Mm-hmm. They can bust pipes. We've seen it. We've lost. We've given up 21-point leads. Pice burst, pissed down our leg. I think culturally, roster, coaching, staff, and development, this might be a pressure but making diamonds type of year, and they just have to prove us right. Yeah, it's our yeah. job to have drink the Kool Aid. We're homers. Yeah, yeah. Homer yeah. Hey, they, they can drink right. the Kool Aid too. The players let them jam. Like, look, at the end of the day, we drink it every single year. I mean, we're, like I said, we're not going to drink it this year. Come on, we know it tastes good. Oh, I don't know. Uh, best piece of advice I ever received, in my opinion, was get your hopes up. Everyone's like, oh, don't get your hopes up. Don't get excited. Well, you know what? If I don't get excited and I don't get my hopes up and I think it's not going to go my way, like then and when it doesn't go my way, I'll still I'm still going to be disappointed. Right. And that whole time up until that point, I thought it was not going to go my way. So let me get you know what? If you're the player, like you're saying, let me get my hopes up. Let me think I'm going to go to the national championship game yeah. because I bet you the Georgia players who have went out on back to back and everyone's like, no one's ever done a three peat. The turnovers officially too much. Like there's no way they can deal with back to back half classes like that. And the crazy turnover. I bet you everybody in that locker room, I bet you everyone in that coaching staff, trainers, everybody, all the fans are like, we are going for that three peat and it's going to happen. They are in the water and they smell the blood. Like let's take a swim. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we are all jacked up officially, as per usual. <laughs> as per football season, let's go, baby. We're excited. Um, really awesome. We'll touch base, obviously, next week, fellas, after the game yes, and, and previewing Bama. But what's what's let's have a really good, clean game, like you said, Nick. And you know, let's let's take it seriously as a defense and put pressure on them. Let's take it seriously as an offense, and let's see as many people get involved and do great things as possible. No doubt. Cool. Well, gents, 
Welcome Horns. Q, congrats again to the Hall of Honor, man. Proud Appreciate of you, brother. Welcome, and we'll see you guys next time. Horns up talking Texas podcast. Fisher Sopolis, DJ Nikki Snacks Crowder, and the Quan Cosby. Until next week. Shout out Scotty Scheffler, who did not get mentioned at the beginning of this show as one of the best UT golfers as well. He's no he's number three behind Spieth and and, and Quan Cosby. <laughs> listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube